Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Saturday show, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Saturday morning. My name is Jay Catch, joined as always by Michelle Bodkin. Michelle, how are you? We're doing good. That's good. Yeah. It's football season. It is football season. Week two of the Utah prep season is in the books. Uh, I was out at East High School last night calling Sky Ridge and East, and I, I, every time I go to East High School, I'm reminded they have one of the better like settings in terms of a, just a stadium look. Obviously, you've been to Rice Cycles. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks about over the Salt Lake Valley. Yeah. Well, if you want a high school one that has that same kind of a look, like Judge Memorial, East High, they have those same like kind of you look back across the valley. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're in the same general yeah. vicinity. You can throw a stone from any one of them and, and hit the <laughs> they're other. Right there, so yeah. they're all right there. Yeah, so it was fun to be out there last night. Uh, we got a lot of football to talk about ahead on today. Should we even have some Utah Jazz news? The schedule is out. What? Yeah, we know when the Jazz are going to be playing this season. So if you are uh, one of those people who's trying to figure out if you're going to buy an antenna or you're going to go with the streaming service that they've <laughs> announced, well, now you know when the games are going to happen. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Scott Gerard is going to join us from Utah State Scrimmage up in Logan. Uh, they're up at Maverick Stadium today. So he's going to join us approximately 11 o'clock. Uh, to talk about the Aggies, get his insight on that. Because very interesting year ahead for Utah State. Mm-hmm. It feels like almost like a prove-it year in a way for Blake Anderson. Just so much turnover. I don't know if you saw this, Michelle. I think it was 10 of their 11 defensive starters either graduated or transferred after last season. Wow. So they've had... I, I know that I know there, there's been some issues and <laughs> some rumblings and... General not great feelings about Utah State. <laughs> yeah, so they've got they've got plenty to work on on their end. So we'll get into that, and obviously we'll just have some fun along the way. We got technical fouls, some of our staples here on the show, so we'll get to all that. But uh, let's start off this week as we typically do. Let's get everybody's highlighted. We got, by the way, we got Christian producing for us today. What's up, Christian? Not much. You Happy a, to be here. Yeah, you got a highlight of the week. Yeah. Uh, so, still be married after like, what, are we three weeks in now? Uh, a month. Month in, a okay. month. Hey, hey. Yes. The first month is actually very important. <laughs> it was fun. It's been great Good. so far. All yeah. Right. And uh, so, Wednesday morning, uh, my wife and I took our dog and we went on a little hike down oh, here at, saw, uh, nice. by the Capitol building. There's like yeah, a little yeah. park. Oh, yeah. That's it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. It's yeah. There's a little trail that goes up by mm-hmm. a little creek and stuff. And our dog went and walked in the water. Super fun. Great to get out, go on a little hike. So that was probably the highlight of, of our week. I like that. Michelle? That's a pretty area. Yeah. I, I agree. That's a great place to be. Uh, 
nothing too terribly interesting happened, but it wasn't. It, it was a good week, mm-hmm. I would say. Well, most of my highlights come through my kids, as you guys have realized on the show. <laughs> uh, my daughter is doing uh, gymnastics and and Aww. cheer. She got her back walkover this week. Finally, Aww, she's been okay. like, and she's been like, like Working dying to get it. it get it Aww. done. So she finally accomplished that this week, and was actually, she was just ecstatic about it. So that's uh, a big deal. It is for for, oh. for young cheerleaders. That's like a really really big step. You know, that was not something I ever picked up. So she, she's, she claps she, for her. She's already more <laughs> athletic than I ever was. Let's just put it that way. No, it was it was pretty cool to see her do that. She also started. Uh, she's in first grade. She had first like, her first couple Aww. days of school this week, and she came over for the first day because she was a full day now. Oh, you okay? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> We're good. We're good. <laughs> that sounds like that hurt. Uh, but she comes home after the first day. I'm like, okay, so you, how, how was school? She's like, that was long. <laughs> oh, get used to it, baby girl. I, exactly. I was like, well, here's kind of the here's what it's going to be. So this, kinda, this, is, this is what it's going to be for the rest of your life until you retire. <laughs> yeah, it was, just, it was funny because she'd been doing say like half day preschool and half yeah. day kindergarten. Uh-huh. And she comes home at like three thirty. I'm like, how was the first day of school? She's like, it was fun. But it was long. It was long. <laughs> so, yeah. I just could I couldn't help but laugh. I'm like, yeah, well, well welcome yeah. welcome yeah. to life. So <laughs> kind of funny. Maybe made me chuckle. All right. Uh well let's actually get into the meat and potatoes portion of today's uh program. Let's talk some college football. We've got uh we're under two weeks to Utah. Mm-hmm. We are two weeks away from BYU. Uh we are one week away from week zero games, Michelle. Woo! So it's coming fast. Let's talk a little bit about that. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> All right, Michelle. So as I mentioned, we are 12 days away from Utah kicking off against Florida, 14 days away from BYU and Sam Houston State. It's also 14 days for uh, Utah State in Iowa, Mm -hmm. going out to Iowa City to take on the Hawkeyes. Uh, We do have one team, if I'm not mistaken, next week. Christian, you know this. Is Southern Utah playing next week, or are they two weeks out? I'm not certain. Let okay. me check Google. Yeah, well, I just <laughs> got to Google it. Somebody told me that Southern Utah was playing next week. I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure that they play next week. I thought they were two weeks out themselves. So, oh, they oh, so they play Thursday. So they're they're 12 days away. So they're play, play, okay. they play the Arizona time. State. Same time as Utah. Yeah. So uh, exciting to know that that's on firmly on the horizon. Here, right. And it's coming pretty quick. And I, I wanted to start off, Michelle. There's been a lot when it comes to Utah about the quarterback situation. We discussed that last <laughs> week. Uh Brandon Rose looked like he's gonna be out. There's still the Kyle Whittingham said at Pac twelve media day it's gonna come down to the wire on Cam Rising in terms of him getting cleared. So where where do you stand right now on everything with Utah? Are you feeling like they're they're tracking well considering the quarterback situation? Uh, yeah, I think overall they're tracking well. Uh, it's uh, the the one thing they have going for them is I I think they have enough returning talent that they they can manage without Cam Rising if they have to. Okay, uh, for a game or two. I, now, if it starts getting into like the whole season. Then, then we're you know it's. I think it's going to get brutal. But like a game or two, especially out of the gate, I think you know they can rely on the running back room a little bit. I, it sounds like they have some good pass catchers that maybe can help 
alleviate and make things a little bit easier for whoever steps in. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, obviously, you want your best players out there, no matter what. And Cam, Cam is their best player at quarterback right now. That's I, that's just fact. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you'd be hard pressed to argue against that. Let's just put it that way. Right, right. So that's the, that's the nice part about it is that yeah, I'm with you. I think that they've got the talent to hold up against. And I got nothing against Florida, but they just look like they're very much a team that is not. They're a team in flux. Sure, that's a good way to say. They're it. a team in flux. Uh, I I think they certainly have the talent if it comes together. But that's kind of the problem and the issue I'm seeing, at least right now. And mm-hmm. at least that's kind of how it feels like it's being reported is there's just a lot of stuff up in the air. They, they're having a lot of issues. They're having a lot of problems. And then you have to travel out west. Yeah. And then you have to deal with the elevation, which I – please, I don't want to get into arguments about humidity versus elevation. Yeah. Like the, the bottom line is they're both hard elements to deal with sure. when you're not used to them. And so – you know, that that's something that Florida is going to have to contend with. And and it's also a matter of, you know, the devil you don't know. SEC country has never traveled out west. They don't know. They don't really know about rice cycles. And yes, it's not it's not as big as a lot of the venues that they're used to and all that kind of stuff. But pound for pound, like it's it's a pretty ruckus place and they they bring it. So it's just it's kind of it's just. Kind of a perfect storm, I think, of I don't know how well it's going to go for them. And then you have, like, the Utah defense that's kind of come out and said, like, they're very motivated to get off to a much quicker, better start against this Florida team because they looked bad against them last year. Like, there's no two ways about it. I think it was, like, what, 49 missed tackles or 48 missed tackles last year Mm -hmm. um, in that first game, which is just unheard of. That was almost double what Utah usually has in a bad game. So it's, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. I think Utah can manage it as long as they play a really good game and everybody picks up some of the slack. If if slack has to be picked up, if slack doesn't have to be picked up, then I think it's also probably a very different story. Well, sure, and I, I would agree with all of that. The other thing about this is this game's shaping up to be what I call a Kyle Whittingham special. Yeah. Where his defense goes out, and trust me, that defense for Utah looks absolutely loaded. Like mm-hmm. I'm just talking bodies, returning talent, added talent. Like guys like Miles Battle coming in here. They, they've got all the pieces, it feels like, where they go out there and Kyle says, hey, guys, shut them down. Yeah. And then he turns to the offense, and if it is Bryson Barnes, mm-hmm. he turns to him and says, Bryson, don't turn the ball over. Right. Pick up the first downs when you need to, and then you have the Seals running backs behind you? Glover, Jaquindon Jackson, Mackay Bernard, yeah. uh, Chris Curry. Feed them the rock. Yeah, you use them how you see fit, <laughs> which means a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I, and that just that that screams to me if they if they are going to have to absorb not playing with Cam Rising for that game or at least the f- maybe first however many in the first part of the season, mm-hmm. it feels like this goes back to kind of Kyle Winningham's whole mo as a head coach. Defense shuts down the opponents, and you do enough to win football games. Because mm-hmm. I, I think you and I are in agreement on this, Michelle. What do people care about most in football? Their team having more points than the other team at the end of the day. Right. Doesn't it doesn't have to be beautiful, especially early in the season. Like everybody's kind of getting back oh, into sure. the fill and the flow of it. Especially and, with transfer portal in effect now. There's yes. so many bodies changing teams now. Yes. So, you know, I if it's a little more slug festy than than we're used to it being, um, after the last few years with how the offense has operated, I think they'll be fine. Like mm-hmm. I, I really think they'll be fine. And the other thing 
about it too. I know a lot of people are up in arms about oh, Bryson Barnes like starting. <laughs> the fact of the matter is we've never seen him come out when the game plan has been specifically for him and the prep work has sure. been all about him. Yeah. Like even that Washington State game he found out 20 minutes before. I think he got a few reps through the week just in case, like a well, few extra ones, you, you, but not you do that because he's a backup quarterback. But but yeah. not but not in in the sense that he 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 was prepared like he was going to Correct. be the starter. Yeah. They thought Cam was going to start that game. Trust me, Petros Papadakis won't let <clears> her die. Uh no. No, <laughs> he he's still angry and yelling into a microphone somewhere about that. But uh I'll just say it. <laughs> he will never let that one go. But uh it's it's I, I like I'm curious to see and look. Here's the thing: Bryson is not going to look like Cam Rising. He's not. No, he's like, not the same player. He's not the same player. He doesn't have the same skill set. But I, I think the fact that Utah trusts him, there has to be a reason why they trust him. And I don't get to see, you know, what goes on in practice. Uh, sure, shoot, most of those fans don't get to see what's going on in practice. So there, there's a reason why there's confidence in him. Do I think some of the guys behind him have a higher ceiling? Yeah. But if they're not ready yet, if they're not in a place where they can be trusted... Or to, physically be ready to play, in the it, case of Brandon Rose. Exactly. Then, you know, I, why, why, roll, why roll the dice on something that you're not sure is going to work? Go with the sure thing. And I think Bryson is the sure thing. And that that right there, I think, is is kind of the point to be made is that you just you trust what you know, because mm-hmm. the thing with Cam is he's he's an electric football player. Bryson has come in, as you mentioned, in multiple spots that Rose Bowl, the game against Washington State. When he's been forced into action, he's mm-hmm. responded well. Mm-hmm. And that, I also really like your point. I hadn't even really considered what you just said is that this is going to be the first time if it comes to this. Mm-hmm. Like there's still there is still a chance Cam could get cleared. Trust me, that, that could still happen. But it could come to it where the, oh, Andy Logan says, okay, Bryson, you're the guy. We're formulating a game plan around you. What will that do for that young man? It could really unlock something for him. It, it, I think it would help him out a little bit because he's been put into some really, really bad situations. Yeah. And yeah. for the most part, has handled it well. That last Rose Bowl maybe was not the best, but like at some point, it's going to catch up with you, right? Sure. Like, yeah. You, 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 you know? can't walk into every single yeah. game and go and throw a touchdown pass. Was it Was it the first play you threw? The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like the first or second play Story when he book. came in. Yeah. Like it's it just doesn't always happen that way. It just doesn't, especially again when, when you're throwing someone in cold and they're not they're not being practiced like they're going to be the starter like it's just at some point it does catch up to you and it caught up to them in that last Rose Bowl uh but but like I said I like I'm willing to entertain you know what what does he look like Mm -hmm. when they've catered to and planned around him and his skill sets rather than it's been about Cam but Bryson's had to come in for Cam uh, I I think I think people will will be a little more pleasantly surprised. Maybe not have their minds blown. You know, I'm not saying or suggesting that, mm-hmm. but I I think I think when when you work around you know the actual person and what they can do, it shows better. It just does. Well, and that that's the interesting part about how it's ultimately all going to shake out. Because I want to flip the conversation and go down to Provo, not New York, like one Big 12 player thought 
BYU was in. Did you see that video, by the way? So, I saw something floating around, <laughs> but someone really thought BYU was in New York. So they did. Uh, it was that from I think it was from Big Twelve Media Day. They did like different players. Like, do you know where pro? Do you know where BYU is located? And the coaches, to their credit, most of the coaches they had on there were like Provo, Utah, Provo, yeah. Utah. Uh, one kid, um, Lokahi, he's a he's a Polynesian kid from Hawaii who plays for UCF. No, he's like Salt Lake City. I don't like cities in Utah. He starts. He's like, ah, and they, they tell him it's in Provo. He's like, ah, bleep! <laughs> I should have <laughs> known that. But there was one dude. I don't remember which team it was. He's like, where's BYU? Is it New York? <laughs> Another player thought it was. A city called Brigham Young. Oh, yeah. He's like, is, it, is it Brigham Young? They're like, no, that's the name of the school. He's like, oh. Well, I mean, in fairness, we do have a Brigham, Utah, too. Yeah, Brigham, but hey, born and we, raised. Have, we have Brigham City's finest right here. Yes. Christian Esparza. Oh, I did not know that. How funny. <laughs> born and raised. Box yep. Elder B over there. Hey, hey. Yeah, no, no. In fair, in fairness, we do have a Brigham City. Yeah. Uh, but wrong. Yeah. It, was, it just it made me chuckle that video because it was most of them got at Provo, Utah. One kid was like, I don't know. It was they were it was really funny video. Yeah, to watch it in the oh, break or something. That and, makes me so sad. So, so and the, but that brings me kind of the conversation now we're having. It, but it flips over to the defense for BYU. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the defense for BYU was not very good a year ago. You look at the metrics; they were second to last in team sacks. The only team worse than them in sacks last year was the Colorado Buffaloes. Like, yeah, that's not a company yeah, you want to keep. <laughs> you're 100. You were 130th out of 131 teams in team sacks a year ago. Your pass efficient pass efficiency rate, like everything, was 90th or worse in all the defensive metrics last year for BYU. It just fell. Off, it fell off a cliff. Yeah, it did. And it that, did. It necessitated a change. Obviously, Jay Hill comes in, and I've got to say, what I've seen from Jay Hill so far is is it very encouraging. But a big playmaker. For BYU's defense went down mm-hmm. due to injury this week. Micah Harper mm-hmm. uh, tore his ACL. Uh, uh, that's the reporting out there, and unfortunate for him because it's the second time he's he's torn his ACL oh. in his career. He did that at the tail end of the 2020 season, the pandemic-stricken year, and then that cost him all of 2021. Yeah, he came back to play last year and really became a, a nice playmaker for this BYU defense. But it's kind of going back to the point where it's on defense for BYU, where they need to respond and they need to have some playmakers. Losing a guy of this caliber is yeah. absolutely going to put a damper on that. They're going to have to find a way to go around that. And I'm curious, somebody we were talking about with, with Utah, is how is Jay Hill going to adapt with this? Because mm-hmm. he's been building this, and it's been their safety tandem. We've been out there, I think, as a media group. I think it's about six times we've been able to see about 20 to 25 minutes worth of practice. So mm-hmm. we've seen some of it. But when we've seen the number one safeties, it was Michael Harper and Malik Moore. Like, they have never not like been number one. Yeah. So losing a guy like this, especially on a defense that it's going to rely, as you know, the Utah defense, it's a single high safety look. It's just mm-hmm. kind of what Kyle Whittingham is hallmark is. BYU, trust me, I go watch their defense. I'm like, okay, it's, it's Utah. Like, <laughs> just, it's, it's a lot of the same elements. And, yeah. it's, and for good reason. Right. Kalani Satake, Jay Hill grew up working underneath in the coaching business, working for Kyle Whittingham. They know what he does. This is going to affect BYU because. I'm not sure they have a like-for-like replacement on the roster right now for Micah Harper because he was a guy that, you know, uh, in that Utah defense, guys like Cole Bishop, they're a safety, but they walk up into that box often Mm -hmm. to help with run support. Micah Harper's not as big as a Cole Bishop, but he was that guy. Mm -hmm. He would kind of walk up into the box, and he is a fearless tackler. Okay. He just Mm -hmm. puts his head in there, and he just gets after it. Goes for it. Yeah. 
that's the issue now that I'm wondering how BYU now adjusts for that. They have two weeks, obviously, to get ready for this. Right. This injury actually happened last Saturday right. during their scrimmage. So they've had, they'll have three weeks in theory to get ready for it. But it kind of goes back to the point we were just talking about. You need to make adjustments, and how will you adjust to this? Well, and and we've talked about this before, too. The one thing that BYU cannot have happen is injuries to key players. And sure. you just had one happen. Yeah, and that's, that's the one. It's the only one so far. So relatively so, clean. So far, yeah. yes. But, like, I, I'm sure, like, I, I don't know for sure, but I yeah. would have to imagine that Kalani, A-Rod, and Jay are all going, ugh. Stay healthy, like, guys. Stay yeah, healthy, guys. Yeah, like, yeah. okay, we've had one. Like, uh-huh. let, let's not do this a couple more times. Like, come on, guys. Uh-huh. You know, because they've seen what happens early on in a move sure. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I I don't I don't doubt that BYU's ones and maybe some of their twos can go with anyone in the Big 12. But if you start getting into your twos and threes and even your fours, which is what happened to Utah in mm-hmm. the first couple of years— it's just different. And that's, that's the thing. And I've got to say, the other thing about this is BYU's training camp is one of the most physical I can remember in recent memory. Jay Hill has brought the whole mentality of, the, okay, this defense, we've got to hit people. Mm-hmm. Like We just actually have to practice it. Well, and and Utah just barely had, had a little resurgence, sure. resurgence of that, too, because of what happened last year early yeah. in the season. You've got to, you, you've you've got got to, to practice. It. You've got to practice it. Otherwise, you're going to whiff. And you and you run risks of injury. In Utah's case, Brandon Rose. In this case, yeah, yep. Michael Harper goes down. But that's the thing about this is to BYU, you're right. They, they've done a pretty diligent – they put a diligent effort into trying to go out and establish extra depth. Uh, Aaron Roderick said uh, to the media earlier this week, he thinks that uh, offensively, he says, we upgraded every position this, this offseason. Mm-hmm. And what he meant by that, I think, is, yes, the ones for BYU traditionally can go toe-to-toe. Totally. Totally. The issue We've is when, seen it. This is when you drop down to the you mentioned the twos and the threes. That's where the talent disparity starts to, to manifest itself. And he said that we've upgraded every position. And that that is encouraging. So that means that the transfer portal work that they did, they mm-hmm. brought in, I think, BYU. The final tally last I saw of newcomers to the BYU football program was 58 this year. Right. On a 123-man roster. Like almost half the roster was turned over. But they expect that talent to step up. I'm just worried in the in, on the defensive side of things with this Michael Harper deal. Mm-hmm. As Jay Hill's talked about, as a, we're going to have to find answers uh, this season when it comes to our roster and find guys who are playmakers. Losing a guy like this is one of those playmakers right. I, I would have put like near the top of the list. Like Michael Harper, playmaker. Mm-hmm. Now you have to adjust to that. That's the big question because you can't, as you mentioned, you can't absorb too many of these hits. Mm-hmm. And and to your point, I think, you know, BYU's offense really has not been the issue. No. So, yeah, it, it is more about they probably did focus their attention on who can we bring in that's going to be a better two for us? Who can we bring mm-hmm. in that's going to be a better three for us? Uh, but the defense, as you mentioned earlier, was a mess last year. And so, yeah. I mean, you kind of blew it up and you're starting over mm-hmm. again. And that kind of means you're really focused on getting some decent ones in and maybe the twos and the threes aren't quite where they need to be yet. That's going to be, you know, a year or two process probably to get to get that up where it needs to be. But so, yeah, like when when you start having an injury like that, um, I, I'm, sh- I'm sure Jake was over there clenching his teeth going, Ugh! <laughs> like, like, OK, <laughs> 
we we can absorb the one, mm-hmm. right? Like you you can absorb one or two. You start having injuries across the board at key places or entire uh position groups wiped out. Correct. Yikes. And that and that's and that's the interesting thing about this because both these programs, as you mentioned, they want to avoid the slow starts when it comes to missed tackles and that type of stuff by getting in and tackling. And trust me, I, what I've seen with my own eyes at BYU is there is a lot more hitting going mm-hmm. on just in general. And it may not be full-on tackling to the ground, but we're talking like thud practices, yeah, just getting physical. I, I've, I haven't seen that in a couple of years for BYU. And Utah's doing the same thing because I think that they realize, hey – we started slow last year because we didn't hit as much. And that's the balance you're going to have to strike here as these programs. is getting it's a fine en- line. Getting enough of that where the guys don't go out there. And what did you say? It was like somewhere around 50 missed tackles. I, it was a yeah, lot. Yeah, it was Trust a me, lot. I watched it, that game. It was, it was crazy. It was, and it was very atypical. It was crazy. Yeah, been what, very, yeah. Like, I don't think that's ever happened before. Correct. And so that that's <laughs> going to be the part about this is, okay, where does the line kind of sit with regards to how you balance that? And, I don't think there's a perfect answer for it. You're mm-hmm. always going to run the risk of injury. That's right. just, it's a violent game. Guys are hitting each other with armor on. Injuries happen. Yeah. Can you avoid as many as possible? That's going to be the key. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, it's one of those interesting things, and obviously both of these programs have got uh, to be careful with that. Uh, we're going to check in at Utah State with Scott Gerard at 11 o'clock. I'm interested to get kind of his take on uh, what's going on with the Aggies as they kind of rebuild things up there in Logan. Uh, but we'll, uh, we're going to switch over and talk a little Utah Jazz coming up next. The NBA schedule is out. Uh, if you want to know where the Jazz are playing, you can find out, and we'll talk about uh, some of the highlights of that coming up next right here on the Saturday show. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. This is the Saturday show. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, along for the ride on the Saturday morning. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. All right, Michelle, it is August. That means it's NBA basketball time. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's a little early, it feels like. It, it is. But, but it's coming fast. They want, speaking of the NBA, so badly to be like the NFL, where literally it dominates headlines year-round. It yeah. doesn't matter what month, what day, there's NFL headlines out there. And the NBA has endeavored to do that. And the NBA has become that. Trust me. They mm-hmm. they stay relevant all year long. The one month it feels like that they do kind of fall off the radar is August. So what did they do? They adjusted and announced the NBA schedule in August. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of funny how they how everything shakes out, but uh, biggest things uh, from the Jazz schedule announcement. I'm just pulling this up. I got Ben Anderson, who obviously is our Jazz insider, does a great mm-hmm. job with this, and he had a great breakdown of it. Uh, biggest note about the Jazz. I don't know if you saw this, Michelle. Sunday home games for the Jazz in the regular season for the first time since 2001. Wow, really? It's uh-huh. been that long. So the way it was explained is that the NBA required all teams, including the Jazz, to submit four possible Sunday home game dates in their schedules. Like, Because obviously these venues, speaking like the Delta Center and these venues, they're scheduling concerts. they got monster trucks coming through, Disney on ice. <laughs> you know, like the whole Yeah, thing. yeah. And they, so they had to submit four dates that they could potentially play a Sunday home games. It was just an NBA-mandated deal. Like, mm-hmm. this is not singling out Utah. Trust yeah. me. The social media reaction was, Calm down. Calm down, yes. Just take a breath. It's fine. So they submitted four <laughs> dates. 
three of them are picked up. So the Jazz will play three Sunday home games, and they have not played a Sunday regular season home game since 2001. They've played playoff home games, obviously. Okay, that must have been what I was thinking Yes, they, they, and there, there's a famous thing about Larry Miller. When they had those Sunday home games, he wouldn't go to the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually took, was it Gene Wojcikowski during the finals one time? I think one of, one of the preeminent, and they actually went for a drive up like Muir Lake. <laughs> So kind of funny how, how that shakes out. But that's kind of the big thing is that there's going to be a little different. I'm actually okay with it if it can help balance the schedule, meaning that you don't have as many back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. Now, there are 13 back-to-backs on the schedule for the Jazz. It's they've, The NBA's tried to get away from these athletes playing too much and too little in a way. Right. We had David Locke on with DJ PK yesterday talking about this. And David said, all right. And the question was asked essentially, okay, how do you guarantee load management's not going to affect the NBA to to a to a negative thing? David said this. He's like, okay, let's look in the case of Zion Williamson, for example. Oft injured. When he's on the court, phenomenal basketball player. Right. But the problem is he plays every other game. So David's like, if you're a fan, he said he used this as an example. If you want to see Zion Williamson play in person, and New Orleans uh New Orleans Pelicans, not Hornets, <laughs> uh, are coming to Salt Lake City. He said, make sure you check that schedule and look and see if the uh, Pelicans are playing the day before, maybe even the day before that. And that should tell you, like, okay, maybe this is the game that, or if it's on the front end of a back-to-back, he's likely to play that. He's not going to play the back end. Mm-hmm. So he said, that's kind of the the give and take as an NBA fan. If you want to see these stars, you got to time it right. Hope that the schedule works out. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a bummer. That is a bummer that it's getting to be oh, like that. Yeah. Cuz I mean that's that's what these guys are getting paid for is to be <laughs> is to be seen. <laughs> sure. And okay, here's the thing. I will give all the credit to guys like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, uh Devin Booker's this way as well, who I they kind of have an old school mentality. They understand that the, there are families and kids in particular who they may get to go to one game a year. Mm-hmm. Like their family can afford to go to one NBA game and they've got their favorite player. And they're going to go buy that ticket. They're going to spend all the money on concessions, traveling to the game, all that stuff. And that guy doesn't play. How big of a bummer is that? Yeah. And yeah. It's a big deal. So that's, so I appreciate guys like LeBron. Like, and if they're injured, they're injured. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Let's be very clear about if If you are legitimately injured Uh like by all means sit out like you have no business being out there but like this day on day off crap no (laughs) load management yeah whatever (laughs) (laughs) so that that's gonna be the interesting part about how this season shakes out for the nba because i do think the nba like i this is just my my personal suspicion is that Adam Silver and the NBA uh, main office there in New York, they'd love nothing more than for their stars to play every single night because it brings the attention to the league that they, they so much desire. Mm-hmm. College football games of just random teams routinely, I mean routinely, in terms of TV numbers, outdo high-level NBA games. They And that, that obviously the NBA, they're looking at new media rights still coming up. And, yeah. Oh, boy, more media rights. Oh, yeah, that's great. Let me tell you. Hey, <laughs> is, is this one going to be as scrutinized as the Pac-12 one? Highly doubt it, but that's okay. Uh, but but the thing is, is it you want your stars playing games. The nice part is the Jazz schedule, just bringing it closer to home, uh, feels like it's got some decent uh, opportunities to see those stars playing against the Jazz. The other thing is that new in-season tournament is also taking place. Mm-hmm. I am 
trust me, I am genuinely curious about how that's going to be received by NBA fans. <sighs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, they need to do something because, like, I think I've said it before. I think the NBA is very soft. Um, and it's it's when I look and watch clips uh-huh. of, like, 80s and 90s basketball versus what I watch on TV now, like, no. <laughs> like, like, it's not a good product. Yeah. It's not. Uh, so they got to they gotta do something to, you know, fix that and get that on the right track while while being conscious and, you know, making sure that guys aren't getting hurt and some of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Like, I mean, you have to be as careful as you possibly can, especially with how much you're paying them. Uh, sure. You, you don't want guys hurt all the time, but... Like at the same time, they need to be playing, and 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 the product needs to be good. And it's not good when you have stars sitting out, or or missing some of these big big events that you you set up. Like nobody wants to watch a big event and not see like LeBron James playing. You know, and that's that's the thing about this. I wonder how stars, LeBron James of that ilk, like those, we're talking the top level guys. Because what it is, is this in-season tournament, it features four, um, they calling them, uh, what are they doing? They're, they're just like, they're sort of like group play type mm-hmm. of like a World Cup type format. And there are going to be eight teams out of that. They're going to make a single elimination tournament with the final down in Las Vegas. There is money attached to this because it's really the only way you're going to incentivize guys to play this. Right. 500 grand on, for each member of the team that wins it. Sign me up. For some guys like LeBron, who's making <laughs> right, he doesn't million. he doesn't care about but fifty grand or five hundred grand. If LeBron's able to go, he'll go. He just he loves playing hoop. That's yeah. why he's that's the thing about this. But like for other guys, end of the bench guys, five hundred thousand dollars added onto their salaries a pretty nice addition because some of these guys are making one five veteran minimum type deals like. You can add five hundred grand to your thing. You're going to be okay with that. I'm just interested to see how it's received, both yeah, by the players and then how fans look at it. Are they going to be like, "All right, this is cute," or and what 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 not? Or are they going to actually be like, "Oh, okay, this is actually kind of a fun diversion" because this is happening early in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Jazz. Let's see, uh, tournament play. They play the Grizzlies on November 10th in Memphis. Then they play Portland November 14th. Uh, Suns at home November 17th, and then the Lakers on November 21st. Those are their four group play games. After that, then the tournament kicks off down in Las Vegas. Uh, the final four teams, excuse me, will play a tournament in the neutral site in Vegas beginning December 7th, and the winning team wins your 500 grand. I'm just interested how this is going to, if it's going to increase the attention on the NBA, like in terms of drawing eyeballs to it, because that's right in the height of the college and mm-hmm. NFL seasons. Like, and... The NBA's fighting for any and all eyeballs they can get at that point. I'm just interested to see, okay, are the players going to buy into this? If they buy into it, it'll change how it's perceived by the fans. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I I think that's the big thing. I think if there's no player buy-in, if guys don't care to play, like guys that matter don't yeah. care to play, then I don't think fans are going to care. Like, like, I know I certainly won't watch it. Like, <laughs> so, well, you're, or even, I mean, like... Obviously, I'll pay attention uh-huh. to it and know some things because it's my job. <laughs> but, but like, am I going to sit and watch that on top of like the college football and and even the college basketball that's starting that I need to be paying attention to? No. And and that's the tough part about this. The Jazz did pick up. Let's see, they got one, two, three, four, five, six. So they got eight uh, national TV games, 
including NBA TV. Uh, so you have one ESPN game, one TNT that are scheduled right now. Those are a home game on Friday, November 17th against Phoenix. That's part of that uh, playing tournament. And then the Lakers game, the final group play game, is going to be on TNT. So you're going to be on a national stage. And the hope is that the Jazz are playing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the with the Phoenix Suns, you got Bradley, Bill, KD, and Devin Booker. Hopefully, they're all rolling. The Lakers have Anthony Davis, who they just signed to a a, a contract extension, Michelle. That's going to average sixty two and a half million dollars annually. <laughs> just crazy I numbers. Know. Hopefully, he's going. Hopefully, LeBron's going. Hopefully, you have these stars playing because that's that's what you need to build this into something. Mm-hmm. If it's not, if you're yeah, if the if, if the Greg Popovich of the world are throwing out, hey, uh, we got anybody in the G League that wants to come up and play in this? If that's the mentality they take. Yeah, it's going to flounder. Oh yeah, no, it's not. It's not going to do well. People aren't going to be interested. It'll get minimal coverage. Yes, uh, because there's other more important things going mm-hmm. on where the actual stars are playing. Yeah, uh, so the Jazz season is going to start officially Wednesday, October 25th against the Sacramento Kings. They will uh, be stay at home for the second game with the Clippers coming into town. Uh, by the way, another shift, uh, one other thing I should mention here with the Jazz schedule. Friday and Saturday games with some, some exceptions, though, uh, home games in particular, 7.30 starts, not 7 o'clock starts. Hmm. Just a little bit of an adjustment on the schedule that way as well. So some changes coming. Well, I, we'll, we'll see if they work out. Sure, and... The, <laughs> Here's the thing about the NBA season: eighty-two games is a lot of games. Oh my gosh, it's so many games. And I have been—I've been a proponent of cutting down the regular season. Okay, and here's the, here's the reason I say that is, if you're going to have the Kawhi Leonard's, the Paul Georges—I don't know—go down the list of those guys who sit, routinely sit out for load management cases, mm-hmm. they're not going to play eighty-two games. Heck, if they're not even going to play sixty games, yeah, cut the regular season down now. That's never going to happen. I, I I wholeheartedly acknowledge that because trust me, NBA owners are in the business of making money. Yeah, and losing ten home games from eighty to sixty, no. Yeah, that's a big chunk of change. That ain't going to fly. You're going to have to make up the the shortfall somewhere if that's going to happen. I'm just hopeful. And the, the other thing is the NBA did implement this year that you have to play. A, what was it, Christian? You may know the answer to this. What's what's the they have to play sixty games to be considered for postseason awards? I think it was sixty five. Sixty five. Okay, so mm. that's the other thing about this. If if you want to be, because trust me, you guys, a lot of you guys are about legacy, and, you, and Kawhi Leonard wants to be considered one of the all time. Like all these guys want to be a great. They want to go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, the way you do that is get the individual awards. Mm-hmm. Now, I I do like the fact that in the new CBA you have to play a minimum set number of games to be considered for those awards. Like that, I think that's good. I think that's good. Like, cause yeah, if you're if you're sitting on the bench every other game, like, no, you play forty one of the eighty two, right? Yeah. yeah, no, you don't. You don't get to pad pad yourself and then still get a <laughs> no. The only thing that worries me uh-huh. is if we're gonna see instances of like players starting, and you know they'll play like. Well, 15 seconds, then check out of the game. And that that could be a thing. When though. they announced this, that was part of the new CBAs. This is written into the new collective bargaining agreement between the NBA Players Association and the NBA itself. And there were people that were saying, okay, it, what's going to stop uh, Kawhi Leonard, as you mentioned, from checking into game, tip off, and uh, Ty Lue goes, timeout. All right. <laughs> Yeah, there might need to be another clause written in there that you have to play X amount of minutes as sure. well. And that that was the that was actually the, the counterpoint some people made. Why make it about games? It should be set number of minutes in a season because that's going to indicate more of okay, 
this guy actually played. Like That is true. Yeah, they, they may need to rethink that. They really may need to rethink that because, yeah, I bet we do see some of some of that go oh. on. You're never going to get rid of it completely. They, trust me, they find the next thing they can. Right, ex- yeah, that they can, like, cheat cheat the system <laughs> with. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I, I don't anticipate it, like, ever being perfect because, as you mentioned, we're children of the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s of the NBA when it was a point of pride to be out there. Uh John Stockton is the number 27 games in his 18-year career that he missed, and 14 of those were for a knee meniscus surgery that he had at one point. Like, dude did not miss games. Yeah. It was a point of pride during that era. Now, this is a different era of the NBA. Totally different I get that. And I just, there's part of me that's like, okay, get out there and play, but they've got a lot of money and they have a lot of power that they can wield. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, that... I mean that's ultimately what happens though when when people yield a lot of money there there's a price to be paid for that like cause now they have they have control and say over and that's not entirely a bad thing sure uh, but when it when it tips the scales to that level and that degree it's maybe a problem it does so uh, interesting stuff all the same excited for it uh, by the way the Jazz have announced that they have uh, plans they're going to have that new streaming app up and running in time for the season as well uh, you can get all games over the air KJazz 14 they're going home to the, st- the channel it was built for come on when your name KJazz come yeah. on let's yeah you got you got to have some jazz games on KJazz <laughs> and that, that they're going to they're going to carry all of them that's the fun part about this so uh, i got to give mad props to Ryan Smith and Smith Entertainment Group because for them to do that they're going to take a hit financially on that Michelle like they 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 could have signed another media, uh, another I guess broadcast deal with a with a regional sports network or something like that, like they have had for millions of dollars. They decided, you know what, we'll bite the bullet on that end, and we're going to get this exposed to all jazz fans. Yeah. In theory, all three or we at three point five million residents of the state of Utah now, something around that number. Yeah, something like that. In theory, all people in the state of Utah should be able to watch Utah Jazz this season, either over the air or via this streaming app, and that. That's going to go a long way, I think, to building more, I guess, goodwill. Right. We'll see. It'll be interesting. I'm also interested to see how this Jazz team responds because last year they were pretty plucky. Like they 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 played well and they did shut it down toward the end of the year to try and secure draft positioning, that type of stuff. This is the year I think where you start. Okay, what pieces do we actually have? Mm-hmm. Like you brought in John Collins from Atlanta. You already have Lowry Markkinen, who was an All Star. You have some of these young bucks. Uh, by the way, Bryce uh, uh, Sensabaugh as well as Keontae George were both cleared to resume on court activities this week for the Jazz, which is positive news. Keontae George was like the star of the summer league, right? Until until he got hurt, injured his ankle, yeah. and they they're like, "Okay, you're done." <laughs> <laughs> like he was he was single handedly looking. He was going to lift the Jazz to a summer league title, and a summer league title is what whatever. But he was balling out. Well, I, but I mean that—that's what you want to see, right? That's why you draft these yes. young guys, yeah. and and so to see him producing so early and so dominantly, like you have to feel good about that. If you're if you're in the Jazz front office and you made that choice, yeah. Well, yeah. Every every draft pick is is obviously it's a it's a high stakes wager because you're you're betting on a potential of a guy. And Candy George very much looked the part. The nice part is it looks like yeah there will be no restrictions on him in particular uh, going into training camp, and he in theory should be able to kind of go out there and do his thing. And this is a season to see okay where do all these pieces fit and mm-hmm. what where are you still deficient and 
it's it's a roster building process the Jazz are going through, but they it feels like this season could be go a long way towards fast tracking it or really exposing. Okay, maybe we thought we were better than we were at that. Right. So interesting times, but looking forward to it. Uh, Eighty two games to come and fifty uh, fiftieth year of the Utah Jazz as a franchise. Wow. If you have not been listening to Jake and Ben, by the way, they've been doing this. Uh, they're doing the top fifty jazz players in history. Uh, they've done the first three, and the first three were uh, let's see, uh, number fifty was Rodney Hood, number forty nine was Ricky Rubio, and then number forty eight has uh, excuse me, for, number forty eight was Bobby Hansen, and they got number forty seven yesterday. Nice connection to say to Utah, Nate Williams. Uh, obviously, Natalie Williams played high school basketball here, went on to mm-hmm. do incredible things in her own career. But Nate Williams is a member of the Jazz. So some fun names. Blast from the past. Let's just put it that definitely, way. Definitely. Definitely. Like, so, <laughs> All right. Good time. So make sure you tune in. That's 1130 every single day on Jake and Ben when they announce a new member of the Jazz 50. So top 50 players. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, we'll get to technical fouls coming up at 11 o'clock. Scott Gerard is going to join us from Utah State and their scrimmage up there. More to come. This is the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. As you heard, it is time now for technical fouls. All right. Uh, I'm going to have Christian start off because this one's like the most timely of the bunch. Uh, so, Christian, go ahead and fire away. We're going to go with Jimmy Graham today. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was arrested last night, I believe, in Los Angeles Correct. because they're getting ready to play the Chargers mm-hmm. for a preseason game. He's uh, with the New Orleans Saints now. Yes, Jimmy yeah. Graham is back with the Saints. At one point, looked like he could be one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Uh, considerably slowed down the last couple of seasons. He was actually out of football for a whole year, I think. Anyways, he now he's back with the Saints, second stint. Looked like he was going to revitalize his career. Uh, but he was arrested for... I think he wandering in the streets, and they assumed he was under some sort of substance. Um, and then he resisted arrest yes, as well. So, so. And this just came out literally just seconds ago from Adam Schefter from ESPN saying, uh, this comes from the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans Saints tight end Jimmy Graham experienced a medical episode last evening, which resulted in him becoming disoriented. He was taken into custody by local authorities and transported to a local hospital for evaluation by what Dr. John Amos believes to be a likely seizure. Wow. I've, okay, I don't proclaim to be a medical expert, but seizures don't have you wandering aimlessly around the streets and then resisting arrest from officers as they're trying to take you into custody. But Not okay. that I'm aware. So, yeah, you know, interesting, but we'll see. Um, interesting situation all the way around. Interested to see where it ultimately goes because you're right. It felt like uh, at one point uh, Jimmy Graham was on his way to being one of the all-timers, and he's still very, he was a very, very good tight end. All right, Michelle, where are we going? Okay, so I was going to do something else, but I just found this, and you know what? Why not? Like, let's jump on to making fun of Colorado. Well, I was going to say, this is one I was going to bring up if you didn't. Oh, okay, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, Coach Deion Sanders was apparently very upset about a fight that took place in camp, Uh but it wasn't because the players fought, it's because they didn't fight. (laughs) Yeah, yep. Um. Yeah, I like like I get it. I get you want like a little chippiness in, in your guys, mm-hmm. but like 
I don't know that you really want them getting involved in the kind of fist fight that it looked like that was. Like that that was a bit much. There were offensive linemen getting into it. It was a running back. He got thrown to the ground or something like that, if I recall correctly. But oh my goodness. The quote he used is I seen two of you walking off over there and you've got a teammate fighting, Sanders groused. Where are they at? Where do they do where, where they do that? Where they do that at? Not here, as players replied. If one fights, we all fight. You understand that? I don't want to see you all walking off when somebody else is fighting. Never again okay like is, I, I mean coach coach like uh that that's how you have guys thrown out of a game bingo we had yogi roth on with dj and pk yesterday he asked this about this is he, so is, he's saying that he wants his entire team thrown out together <laughs> you know what forfeits all around <laughs> let's go it's, i just yeah uh look ag- again like you, you want you, you want them to be tough guys for mm-hmm. sure like like you abs- but like you want them to be smart tough guys mm-hmm. and that's always something that i remember from my soccer days too my my coach always would say you know if you didn't agree with like a foul or or something sure like be angry about it but like be angry in a smart way that you get back and and like you score a goal or you get the steal or you, you know like not not something that's going to get you fouled again or thrown out of the game mm-hmm. or like use the anger to motivate you in a smart way not not a dumb way channel it positively yes, yes. and th- this is not no I, see and i I can see where Sanders is coming from. He's trying to keep his team engaged and obviously build team camaraderie. But when it comes to like actual fist fights, yeah, I, I don't know trust that me, you encourage. That. I was I saw a fist fight at BYU football practice earlier this fall. Well, and I've seen I've seen a fight or two up at Utah's camp back Co- in the day. Coaches don't want they don't want full on punches being thrown. No, first off, throwing a punch at a helmet is just beyond stupid. <laughs> But they they don't want they like the pushing and shoving they like the guys jawing at each other but when it turns yeah when it starts like getting serious like no that's where you got to be able to stop because and Kalani so the day we were there it was media observation I know Kalani in his head's like great I got to talk about this but he comes <laughs> up he's like here's the thing we got to be smarter about that we be we got to be able to train our guys that you, you want to push to that level mm-hmm. but there's a line you mm-hmm. don't cross and throwing a punch that's crossing that line. Mm-hmm. So I guess you again. It gets you thrown out of a game. Exactly, it hurts your team. Yeah, it hurts your teammates. Like I can see where Dion's coming from, but this one was probably not that hill to 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 plant that flag on. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, I I think I think you ultimately cause more problems than you solve no. uh, with the stance that he took on that. Um, one quick one, real quick. Uh, I got to give a technical foul to James Harden. I don't know if you've seen his saw, media, the media that. rounds he's making this week. He was in China and saying, Daryl Morey is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization he's a part of. Let me say it again. Daryl Morey, who is the Philadelphia 76ers GM and uh, I think VP of player personnel, who's like his boss, is a liar and I will never be a part of an organization he's part of. He's trying to force his way out of Philadelphia. Then he did like an exclusive with some radio station in Houston of all places, saying that this is not the way to do this, James. He's he's lost his damn mind. Oh. Can can I say that? Is that okay to say? <laughs> like, it's just, he's, he's just out of his mind. Well, okay, and then of course, you know who weighed in on this, right? Oh no, Kyrie Irving, because Kyrie's got to have his say.
pot meat kettle. So he responded to a tweet uh, on X, aka for, uh, Twitter, uh, from Adrian Wojnarowski saying, is he really disgruntled Adrian, or is he holding Daryl Morey accountable for his dishonesty and lack of transparency throughout the contract, contract negotiation process this summer? Harden's been looking for a long-term contract. It's like... Oh, Lord. Uh, okay, guys, you know... <laughs> uh, fun times. You know, the NBA may not bring the drama on the court anymore, uh, but they certainly bring it off of it. Let's a, go with that. It's a soap. Uh, Mark Science <laughs> has a hashtag this league. It is a soap opera. There's no doubt about it. And you have guys like James Harden here and Kyrie Irving. They can't help but add to it. Oh, no. No. Right, so... It's good. Uh, that, was good. that was a good list of technical fouls. I thought it was a fun one. All right. We will come back on the other side. We're going to go up to Logan and check in at Utah State. Scott Gerard uh, up there, obviously, with Utah State scrimmaging this morning. We'll check in with him next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jake Hatch here, and we are going up to Logan right now to check in with Scott Girardi, who is, of course, the play-by-play voice of the Utah State Aggies, and, of course, a host here on Hands and Scotty every single weekday. Scotty, how is Logan this morning? Ah, uh, it's a beautiful day up here in L-Town. How are you guys doing? Uh, you know, look, about 80 degrees. Oh scrimmage at noon that's the uh, benefit of being up here a little bit north it's always a few degrees cooler and uh, stadiums ready to go let's uh, let's kick off football season guys well so scotty give us kind of a rundown what what is this utah state looking utah state team looking like at the moment well, that's Michelle. That's the uh, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> I think you know there, and I guess that's kind of the day and age that uh, of college athletics that you're living in right now. That you just there's going to be. I don't care if you're P five. I don't care if you're G five. There's going to be a, a decent level of turnover from year to year. And Utah State got hit with the turnover bug a little bit as far as the roster goes, especially on the defensive line and at the linebacker position. But they do return a lot of really good players. Cooper Legault back at quarterback, and you know when he was the starter last year he went five and two and got the team back into bowl eligibility uh you've got a, a good group of wide receivers uh you've got uh you know you've got ike larson who might be the best player on this entire utah state roster back in safety so there's a lot of key players back uh i think the offense uh should be good blake anderson takes over play calling duties something that he's really familiar with and this offense is going to be a little bit more up tempo they're going to get after it a little bit more be a little bit more aggressive 
Uh, and defensively, you welcome in a new defensive coordinator with a lot of new faces. So offense, I think, is going to be really good. I think there's still some questions on the defensive side, uh, but, you know, that's that's what a lot of teams are facing right now in college athletics. They're not exactly quite sure what they have, but we'll, uh, we'll find out here in a couple weeks. All right, Scotty, so you talk about Blake Anderson taking over play-calling duties, and he doubles, obviously, as going to be head coach, and he'll be the play-caller on the offense. Do you feel like he is looking to do that because he wants to kind of reinvent this offense in his own mind? Like, What's the impetus for him doing that? That's a, and it's a good point, too. I think, uh, I think when – the uh, when, when the old OC uh, decided to uh, pursue some other opportunities, and I think there was it was a mutual understanding that it was probably best for him to move on. The offense got a little stagnant late. They just had so many playmakers two years sure, ago. Yeah, uh, you know Derek Wright, who's still in an NFL camp. Devin Tompkins, who might make the final fifty-three in Tampa Bay uh, with one of the greatest wide receiver seasons in the history of the Mountain West Conference. Like they were just loaded offensively two years ago, and then uh, they took a step backwards in terms of personnel last year. And, and the offense really struggled. And so Blake Anderson looked at it as an opportunity to get <coughs> excuse me, back to his roots as a play caller. And his early years when he was a head coach at Arkansas State, he did both. He was the play caller and the head coach. And then his, uh, you know, it's well documented, his wife uh, battled cancer and, and ultimately passed away. And during that time, he needed to scale back his workload. And so he hired an OC to be the play caller as he still maintained head coaching duties. And at that point, he just kind of kept with that. But all along, he always felt like eventually he'd get back to being a play caller because that's ultimately what he loves to do. And so he used this as an opportunity, seeing some issues on offense that he wanted to address and said, who better to fix it than me? And so he decided to uh, take it over. And I think that his roots as a play caller and what he wants to run and the aggressiveness in which he calls plays, I think is going to be a, a big opportunity for Utah State to really accelerate this offense and try to take it to another level. Now, Utah State's been shrouded in a little bit of controversy, um, has had some turnover at the AD. Uh, I know some school people. School president. School president. People have been a little unhappy with Blake Anderson as of late as well. Uh, how How is the team dealing with that? And, and what do you feel like the mood is up up in Logan these days? Well, yeah, and, and, you know, it's certainly a fair question to ask because, I mean, it's something that's uh, been a conversation uh, for quite some time up here. And it's something that this team is rally, you know, is certainly unified and rallied around Blake Anderson. And uh, if there's one thing that you talk to a lot of these players, uh, they, they've given full support to Blake Anderson uh, and, and the staff. Now, um, I think that you've got a new athletic director who will start on Monday. Um, she's flying in today. She came in for a press conference. She's had a bunch of meetings here and is really actively involved in all the realignment talk and, and all that stuff. But her first day is Monday. I uh, just met the president for the first time just about an hour ago at, at a function. And, uh, and, and they are committed to not only, you know, obviously winning, uh, but also winning the right way. And they want to make sure that this is a program that avoids any situations or any, uh, you know, any accusations or any problems that they may have had in the past. That is something that they certainly want to address and move on from. So it is a certainly a huge point of emphasis with uh, with the new leadership here at Utah State, both at the top and at the athletic director front as well. 
You mentioned the turnover roster-wise, Scotty, and this world of NIL is just so topsy-turvy. Michelle and I have talked about this plenty with BYU and Utah and our our spheres, and I know that uh, Gary Anderson is part of the NIL collective that's running things up at Utah State. Do they feel like they have established enough of a foothold where they can still be competitive uh, in the NIL sphere, or has it still got work to do? Uh, I think I think everybody's got work to do. Um, sure, and, but but to your point, it is something that's gotten a lot better. I think that over the last three or four months, in particular, Gary Anderson's partnered up with uh, Jim Lobb and his son Eric Lobb, who you know, if you don't know who Jim Lobb is, owner of Cash Valley Electric, yes. and has been a significant donor, and um, you know, essentially is the Spence Eccles of Utah State University, has has just had a huge role in the development financially of Utah State for a lot of years. Uh, and, and they have developed a, a collective that is unified. There were a lot of like little mini collectives that were trying to come together, and this is one that's kind of unified them all. And then and they they've been able to fundraise into it. And now I think that they're in a more of a competitive place in the Mountain West Conference. There at first, I mean, it was you know if you're not quick and you're not early, you're going to lose out. And I think Utah State missed out on some uh, recruiting opportunities especially on the basketball front. And that's interesting, too, because while a lot of the country has gone all in on football, a lot of Mountain West schools are actually pointing a lot of their attention collective-wise to basketball. You look at New Mexico and UNLV, traditionally two very poor football programs, and what they've done is like, okay, wait a minute. Can we fund 15 players or can we fund 85 players? And they've gone all in on basketball. And so while the rest, especially at the P5 level, a lot of collective money is flowing into football. Uh, And it is a little bit in the Mountain West, but really a lot of Mountain West schools have turned their attention and said, what can we really good at? And it's been basketball. And I think you're going to see some, uh, you know, San Diego State's obviously already great, but I think you're going to see UNLV and New Mexico start to make some jumps because they are putting some silly, stupid money into their basketball programs. So it's just, it's, it's funny how different, I know that wasn't part of your question, but it's just funny kind of getting a different direction on how different teams and different programs are handling this. But to, you know, to your point, Utah State's getting better, and I think right now they're probably upper third or middle of the pack in the Mountain West in terms of money that they're able to help out their players with. Now, Scotty, you're up in Logan to check out Utah State's scrimmage today. You know, what What do you think the Aggies need to accomplish today? What What are some things you want to see them check off the list? Ah, uh, it's a great question, Michelle. And it's you've been to enough scrimmage, uh, scrimmages to know that it can be fool's gold because an <laughs> yeah. offense can just fly no, right down the field. Scotty, you kidding me? They're not going to sh- they're not going to you know do everything they're supposed to do in a game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but you know the the thing that I always like is when somebody will say, "Wow, man, the offense looked really great." Well, why did the offense look great? Oh, because maybe the defense wasn't that good, you know? And if you go ones versus ones and one side of the ball does extreme, you know, does far better than the other, yeah, you can celebrate that to a certain extent, but then you're also like, ooh, well, wait a minute, that may not be a good sign as well. So uh, I want to see more out of the defense. First scrimmage was pretty offensive heavy. Uh, offense did a tremendous job and defense got it going a little bit later in the scrimmage, but uh, I want to see defensively uh, this Utah State perform a little bit better, uh, especially on a front line standpoint. That's where they had the huge turnovers on that defensive line. Uh, and uh, they need to be a little bit more stout against the run. They need to be a little bit more uh, improved in uh, getting after the quarterback. And so that, those are the things I think Utah State certainly needs to see in this uh, scrimmage today. All right, so obviously Cooper Lega is going to be the guy at quarterback, at least it looks like to that. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, Scotty. Nope, but you are right. Uh, he is a guy that I, he's just a hard-nosed football player. And you, you know as well as I do, he was a state champion wrestler at Orem High School. And 
my favorite thing about him is he just he plays football and just he he's tough and I, what does he need to improve upon the most to really I guess make that transition to being a star if that makes sense uh Accuracy needs to be a little bit better. Decision making needs to be a little bit better. He's he's a guy that does the, uh, you know, first look not there, take the ball and run. Got it. Okay. And uh, you know a little bit of and and when I make this comparison, please know I'm saying it loosely, but a little bit of Taysom Hill, where accuracy may not be great, uh, incredible athlete. Looking for the first route, not there. Okay, I'm going to trust my legs because it's third and four. Instead of checking down to route two or route three, I know I can pick up the first down by myself. Uh, and I might miss out on a bigger play, but I know I'll, it'll be the safe play. He got a little banged up as the year went on, too. And he fully admitted, I got to be better. I got to be smarter with how I make my decisions and when I decide to run the ball and, and how I attack from that standpoint. So those are things that, obviously, he's going to address. He just needs to be – he's – and I hope this makes sense. He's an elite level athlete. He needs to be a better quarterback, if that makes sense. And and I think he's got it well within his ability to do it. I know he's uh, he's spent a lot of time this summer working on decision making, on accuracy, on the understanding of the offense. I think you're going to see a much better Cooper Lega in terms of being an all around better quarterback in uh, 2023. He certainly has all the tools, uh, but. Look, they had an open competition in spring. They, you know, they really liked uh, Levi Williams, who they brought out of Wyoming. They gave him a little, lot of opportunities in spring, um, and uh, and he shut the door on it. There was no chance that anybody was going to take that job away from him in spring, and so he's had all the number one reps. Keep in mind, though, I would say this: uh, Levi Williams will probably get some Nate Johnson like uh, packages where he'll have some opportunities maybe in goal line and third down. He's just a, he's just a great runner. If this guy could throw the football accurately, consistently, uh, he's got the same frame and the arm strength as a lot of great quarterbacks. Uh, he just he needs to work on his accuracy, and that's got a long ways to go. But McKay Hillstead, keep hey. in mind, uh, I, if, if, heaven forbid, if something were to happen, uh, they love the development of McKay Hillstead. I know you like uh, you followed him in high school. He's put on coach just said he put on about 15 pounds of muscle. He's gotten bigger and stronger in the offseason because he graduated early. So he's been up here in spring and summer and uh, they've got a great weight program up here. He is really developed. They love his future here at Utah State. So you know, heaven forbid if something were to happen, um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if if McKay got some opportunities. Scotty, you've mentioned a couple of times that the defensive line is really kind of an area of concern for this team. Who do they need to step up and, and start making bigger plays on that defensive line in order to give them a, a shot? Well, uh, one of my favorite players, and, 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 and you know this, uh, well, both of you know this, covering your teams uh, closely, is you get to know these guys as people. And, and, and so when I say I'm a fan, I'm not talking about just being like a fanboy of a team, but just a fanboy of individuals. Uh, Holly Mutuapuaka is just a really tremendous person and a tremendous player. Uh, he's, he, he has big aspirations of playing in the NFL, and I think it's certainly something uh, with his size and his skill level that could be a possibility for him. Uh, he has to be not only a run stopper and a gap filler, an offensive lineman eater, which he's been, and allowing linebackers to run free. There's a reason why BYU wanted A.J. Vongpachong so much is because he had 100 tackles every year he plays, and he'll probably have another 100-tackle season at BYU uh, because – uh, he's he was able to roam free and make big tackles, and a lot of the reasons why was because of Holly. Um, Holly needs to not only do that, 
but he also needs to show the ability to get after the quarterback as well uh, and, and pressure the quarterback and really collapse a pocket, not just hold the line, but collapse a pocket as well. I certainly think he's capable of it, uh, and, and I think he's, he's set for a big year. So Scott Gerard joining us, of course, the play-by-play voice of Salt of not Salt Lake of the Utah State Aggies. Excuse me, Salt Lake Aggies. I Salt Lake go. Aggies. There you go. I was going to say Ogden, right? They've, they've been trying to get into the. Uh, oh, Jake, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> they've been they've been trying to get you know more presence in the Salt Lake market. Maybe yeah. that's just like a brand change that yeah. they can work on. That, that, it's like I, the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles oh, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. As a guy who married into a family who are a family of Angels fans, that whole thing is a whole other story that needs to be <laughs> unpacked at some point. But uh, in terms of the Mountain West as a whole this year, Scotty, it looks like on paper Boise State should return to being one of the more dominant programs in the conference. Where do you think Utah State fits in in just kind of the pecking order here with the Mountain West this year? Uh, it, a really good question. Uh, okay, so – I think a team that could be sneaky good this year is Colorado State. Okay, um, they lost. They got hit really hard with a transfer bug two years ago. But I love Jay Norvell as their head coach, and I think that he's got him pointed in the right direction. Didn't have the season he thought he'd have last year, but I think they're pointed in the right direction. I think Air Force takes a step back. Uh, they've had two really good years back to back, a couple ten win seasons, but uh, they lost their quarterback and Brad Roberts, the offensive player of the year. Uh, so Air Force always has that run where they get old and developed and then they lose those guys and then they take a step back and slowly build back up. I think it's a build back year for Air Force. Uh, personally, I don't think they're going to be another 10 win season. They're picked really high. Boise uh, does uh, look every year they're picked to win it and then very rarely do they actually win it. Um, so I think uh, I would put uh, honestly, I would put uh, probably Boise. Uh, actually, I put Fresno probably one, um, and then I don't know. I'm not real big on San Diego State either. Uh, Wyoming could be pretty good again this year, but uh, I'm not quite sure if they're ready to take the next le- next step as well. I think there's a lot of teams that could be in that 10-7 win era with Fresno right now being probably the best team out of the bunch, um, but – all that being said, I think this is a year where anybody could come out of nowhere. San Jose State could be sneaky good again this year. I know it seems kind of weird to say, but Brent Brennan's built a nice program down there, so I think they could be in the mix. Uh, Aztecs could, but I don't think they will because they don't really care about football down there. It's just about basketball <laughs> with them. And so, I. And by the way, I'm tired of hearing all this stuff about how San Diego State's the premier athletic program in the Mountain West. Can we stop with that? You made one – look, the basketball run was great. It was great. It was awesome. But, But – but this, all this realignment talk is not about basketball. It's about football. And San Diego State brings nothing to the table. All San Diego State brings is Hotel Del Carnado where you can have your league meetings. That's it. That's, that, that, that's all they bring. There, there's nothing else they bring to the table. You've got a great basketball program. Yeah, Brian Dutcher's got it. But in the alignment world, what does San Diego State bring? They had a football conference championship game two years ago, and nobody showed up. 13,000 people showed up, and about four to 4,500 of those were Utah State fans two years ago. So, look, I understand everybody's salivating over San Diego State, and that's great. It's the, it's the California market. Let's just say it as it is. Coaches want to go down there so that they can recruit California. Uh, it's a great place to visit, uh, and, 
and they got a good basketball program. But don't give me this nonsense about how San Diego State is just this great, up-and-coming, massive program. Nobody in the country spends more money uh, on their athletic programs from student dues and student mm-hmm. fees than San Diego State does. It's not a well-funded program. Uh, they're heavily, heavily in debt because of building a stadium that nobody ever goes to. Uh, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me, but, you know, here you go. I would, I, frankly, I'd put Fresno as far ahead of San Diego State in terms of an overall better program from top to bottom than I would the Aztecs. Sorry for the rant. That's my bad. I apologize. Well, here's the thing, Scotty. I've got a family connection to San Diego State. There's a student that I'm related to who attends school there right now. And let's just put it this way. They say almost the exact same things you're saying. Like, our student fees pay for everything they got going on. Like, they're, they're, I think they, it's like... Fifty-five percent of their athletic budget comes from student fees. It's a, they they pay a lot. There's there's no doubt about that. And the, you're right. They they have a nice shiny new football stadium that has no shade. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if you saw the opener against Michelle last year, Michelle against Arizona. It was their first game in Snapdragon Stadium. That's what it's called. Yeah. People were like passing out from heat exhaustion. Oh. It was lovely. Oh. Let me tell you. Yeah. Well, terrifying it. <laughs> The old one didn't shield from the rain, so it's oh, you know Qualcomm, it's fine. Baby. Yeah, oh boy, uh, never go in the under. Well, you can't because it's not there anymore. Never go into the underbelly of that thing, though. Oh yeah, that thing's a mess. <laughs> uh, that, that and that and the Aloha Stadium are the two worst stadiums I've ever called a game from. And they're both gone the way of the earth at this point. Yeah, yeah. Basically, have they, have basically. they knocked down Aloha yet? It's not they knocked down yet. It's. I mean, Mother down. Nature's trying to do its yeah, part. Exactly. Yeah. It's like rusting and falling out. apart. Yeah, yeah. They, they had like some big like send off for it because they're going to play in that TC Ching Athletics Complex for the next two, three, four I, I years. Was, I was there last year. Oh, you were there last year. Yeah, you were yeah. there. Yeah, I remember you were there. You were in that, but it's a little bit of a band box set up. They're trying to get that new stadium done, but they can't start that until the old Aloha Stadium gets knocked down, and that still hasn't happened. Yeah, you know those old like portable uh uh, like things you used to sit in in elementary school because your oh, school yeah. was not were, big were enough. Were you in a portable? Yeah, we were in a portable calling the game. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With no view of a scoreboard, by the way. Oh. Like I had no idea what the time and score was, which, you know, you know what the score is, but the time, like, <laughs> yeah, kind of important. I had no view of a scoreboard from it. Jeez, oh, good times. <laughs> well, Scotty, anything else you want to get off your chest real quick? Uh, nope, all good. Uh, can't wait to get this thing started. Uh, Michelle, final score at Utah, Florida. I got Utah... Uh, I think it's going to be another kind of low, weird score, Uh, probably similar to last year. I'll go go 26-21 Utah. Pig Farmer gets it done, by the way. He gets the win. Totally. Yeah. I would say so. We'll see. Uh, yeah, it, we will see. <laughs> it's that's the fun part about it. Is we're we're not too far off, Scotty. We got week zero games next week. So I know, I know. Let's go. All right. Well, get thanks. The, get get those gambling. I mean, no, no. Let's get those uh, <laughs> the skittles, Scotty. The skittles. Yeah. Let's let's go. Right <laughs> All right. Thanks again for joining us, Scotty. Entertainment purposes only, kids. Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Scotty. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. See you guys. Thanks. There you go, Scott Gerard checking in from Logan uh, scrimmage at noon. I believe it's open to the public, by the way. They have a program that lets people go watch them play football. That's because they play in the Mountain West. (laughs) Sure. Yes, that's a good point. But nonetheless, fun stuff all the same and looking forward to season ahead. It's here. That's the best part about this. Football is here. I have two weeks of high school football already in the books. and Next week, college football. NFL is coming right after that. And away we go, Michelle. It's it's gonna be fun. It's uh, there. There's a lot of (laughs) storylines. A lot of storylines.
All right, uh, we will get to some of the other storylines that we have not touched on in the sports world coming up next. It's five minutes of. That's after the break right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Thank you for tuning in on your Saturday morning, no matter what you happen to be doing. Uh, Michelle Bodkin there, Jake Hatch here, and time for five minutes of. And Michelle, uh, did you happen to see Mo Diabate the other night for the Cleveland Browns? I did not watch the game, but I saw the highlights trickling in on, on Twitter. God, he had a great game. He was, yeah, he was. He looked really, really good. Uh, obviously, he's playing for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they ended up, by the way, we have had a really weird thing. In the last, so we've had three preseason games for week two so far. Mm-hmm. Two of them ties. Okay. We had an 18-18 tie between the Browns and the Eagles on Thursday night. And then last night, the Bengals and Falcons tied 13-13. There's no overtime in NBA in, in right, a, in right. NFL preseason. That's NBA, but NFL preseason, kind of a quirky thing that you have two ties. But hey, you know, let's go. It's the preseason, good times. Uh, anything NFL wise, like former U- Utah players that. Uh, the Dalton Kincaid talk aside, because the dude is like the toast I of the know, town. Yeah. <laughs> As far as I can recall from this past week, I think Mo was kind of the highlight. So far, because there's a lot of games today. Yeah. And we'll see how it kind of all shakes out. The The Jaguars and the Lions are playing right now. Uh, Jags up 3 nothing on the Lions. Did you see Teddy Bridgewater's, Teddy Bridgewater's new number? I actually, you know, I didn't even realize that Teddy Bridgewater is he, still he's making tra- tea in the in the NFL. He just got <laughs> signed uh, by the uh, Detroit Lions. Let me see if I can pull this up here, Michelle, and show you this. That's Teddy Bridgewater's new number as an NFL quarterback. Number fifty. Okay. Yeah. the the new The new uh, uniform rules allow quarterback to pick any number. Apparently. Well, he. <laughs> I don't know who in their right mind would let that happen that is that's atrocious (laughs) there were so many complaints especially from defensive players like the linemen were limited to like the 90s and the 50s and Mm -hmm. so many teams have these ring of honor deals where they uh, almost like unofficially retire numbers so they've opened it up and the other thing about this is if you want to change your number after you've been established player let's say for example um fred warner for example with the Mm -hmm. san francisco 49ers when he came into the NFL, he was number four at BYU. It's his favorite number. Mm-hmm. He wanted to wear number four, but he couldn't do it due to the uniform rules at the time. He wears 54 as a result. If he were to go and change his number to the number four now, he has to pay the 49ers in the NFL for every single one of the jerseys that are currently unsold on shelves across the league. For- Whoa! That's uh, So Ravens linebacker Rokon Smith yes. is changing to number zero. I mm-hmm. think his previous was number 18. He's actually hosting an event in Baltimore where anybody with a number 18 jersey him trade him in. can exchange it for a new one. Oh, that's nice, though. That, that's, that's kind of the way to handle if you're if you're the athlete. But, yeah, it's kind of crazy stuff. But number 50 as a quarterback <laughs> made me chuckle. I, yeah. There's only, uh, there only part of me that wanted to see number 99. That, that, that would have been awesome. Well, especially since you get, like, number one all the time, like, sure. for a quarterback. Yeah, let's let's go with the opposite end of the <laughs> spectrum. Let's go 99. Um, and the, the P.S., the only, uh, like, position unit that is still limited on their numbers is offensive linemen. They can only wear the 50s through the 70s still in the NFL. Ah, once again, so the, the big guys the get big no boys, love. The big boys getting screwed all over again. So. Ah, Buddies. But it made me chuckle that Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. <laughs> you have the freedom to choose any number you want, and he did. I'm wearing number 50. <laughs> okay. And I'm sure the, the, the like, uniform guy's like, 
Is this a joke? Yeah. You are. Are you serious, Teddy? Or are you sure? Are you sure, you sure about sure? that? Okay. Okay. We'll do it. Yeah. Kind of funny. Um, other thing, by the way, in uh, college football, if you if you are a coach that's around long enough, sometimes you can have legacy players from your own players show up. Right. Nick Saban had this happen this week, apparently. Drake Kirkpatrick Jr., the son of former Alabama DB Drake Kirkpatrick Sr., who signed with Alabama and Nick Saban 14 years ago, Drake Kirkpatrick Jr. has now committed to playing for the Crimson Tide. It's his first. It's Saban's first legacy player in terms of his own player sending their son to play for him as well. That's crazy. Yeah, Witt has to be getting close. I mean, technically as a position coach, he's had several. Sure, yeah. Um, he has to be getting close to having... Probably his first legacy that was actually a player when he was a head coach, I would think. It, it's just, you're at some point it's going to happen. Yeah. It just feels like it's... In, just, well, provided he doesn't retire. Okay, but, sure, yeah. But yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put good vibes out there, Michelle. Utah fans don't want to see him go anywhere. Come on now. Oh, no. I mean, I don't I don't think anyone wants to see him go anywhere. We want him here as long and, as possible. And he, but, would, he wouldn't go far. Let's also be clear about that. Yeah, that, that's also true. He'll still be in the building. <laughs> Just saying, but yeah, uh, he is. So this Drake Patrick Jr. is actually an unranked prospect from Gadsden uh, in in Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Kirkpatrick Sr. played for the Crimson Tide from 09 to 2011. Therefore, he uh, ended up winning two national titles and was All SEC twice. So, bloodline. You know, there. you know, you know who it could be. It could be Ephraim Asiata. Oh, jeez, oh, yeah, that's the one right there. That's the one right there. P.S. Ephraim. What a story. Yeah, that is insane. To recovered from that school shooting, and now, he, and the thing is about this, miracle recovery in many ways, and he's resumed his playing career and looks even better than he did previous to that. You know, uh, if anyone was going to have a 1% chance and, and make it, it's it's an Asiata. Yeah, so, yeah, Matt yeah, Matt and Ephraim could be that That tandem. combo. Interesting. That, Okay, I'm I'm rooting for that now. I, I I'm all on board with that. It'd be really cool to see that play out. Um, P.S. Uh, I showed you the pictures of this in the break, Michelle. Melissa High School in Texas. Oh my gosh! This is about 40 miles northeast of Dallas. And Christian, have you seen the pictures of this high school stadium? Yeah, it blew me away. So uh, this school insane. this school has 1,300 kids. 1,300 kids here in the state of Utah is a mid-sized. Uh, if I'm not saying 5A school in the state of Utah, like mid-sized 5A school. They play in a 5A level down there in Texas. They built a $35 million stadium that houses 10,000 fans to play their games in. And I'm not going to lie, it puts multiple, I mean, multiple college programs, stadiums to shame. Northern Illinois wishes they could. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. They have Florida glass uh, 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 windows in the press box for this thing. Yeah. Like... I'm not gonna lie. Like I just, I looked at. It, I'm like, oh my goodness. So good for them. I, I guess I, I, they always say they do it bigger and better in Texas. They, I, I, in this case, certainly so. And they have multiples of these. Like Allen High School, which is in the Dallas Fort Worth area, mm-hmm. is got a very nice one. I think theirs was like something like 50 million. Granted, when they built it, apparently the concrete started buckling on it. Ooh, something like that. They had some issue. They had some structural concern with theirs, but. This happened. This is happening all over the state of Texas. Yeah, this no. is not just exclusive to the Dallas Fort Worth area. I think there's one down in the Katy area, down there in the Houston, Greater Houston area that had one. I, I know in San Antonio because we practiced at a bunch, a bunch of those places, and, and the, they were nice places. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they they 
far out kicked anything you'll find here in Salt Lake. Like, yeah, well, we've got some pretty good like in terms of settings for high school stadiums. Yeah, in pre- this. pretty, but but like the, they're, they're they're not built like a like a smaller college campus stadium. Yeah. They're just not. I was doing a game last night on one of the smallest press boxes I've ever been on, and we were squeezed in there. We had both camera crews from the teams, uh, speaking of Skyridge and East, and then us like doing KSL Sports, the three of us, and we were all just like shoulder to shoulder with each other calling. It's just this, on the other hand. I you're know. Right. Yeah, you, you'd be spread out, <laughs> maxing and relaxing. Jeez. I just. I was stunned when I saw this pop up on the timeline earlier this week, but uh, apparently this Melissa team rattled off 11 straight wins last year after winning, losing their first two, won a state title, and they're considered the top-ranked team in the five. It's called. They have different divisions in the state of Texas. Uh, they have like multiple six A's, mm-hmm. five A's on down the list. Uh, they are so yeah, they are number one in their five A division in Texas. So crazy, crazy scenes. And just looking at the picture of this, I'm just like. I need to go see that in person. It's just crazy well, to me. We're we're in Big Twelve country now, so yeah. there's opportunity. There's, there's a chance you got to <laughs> drive a little bit because this is a ways away uh, from Dallas. Uh, but apparently, the, Melissa, Texas, you can see this, Michelle. It's, it's so it's way up here in the Northeast, mm. outside of like McKinney and Prosper. Apparently, it's kind of the next like the sprawl of the DFW. Right, going right to Melissa. Apparently, so you know. You do what you got to do, right? <laughs> I just, I wonder, did they have like, was it multiple donors or somebody in the community? Like, I just wonder where they, they generated the money from. It could probably go either way, knowing yeah. knowing how things roll in Texas. They either have like a big, like, oil mogul sure. that donated yeah. it all, or they had several, like, smaller well to do that combined. Like, it, it either way, it's not going to surprise me. Nestled into Collin County, the town of Melissa is listed as, with a population of 19,357 in the 2022 U.S. Census, which is almost five times its population from 2010. Wow. So half of their city population currently can attend a game. It's like it's like the growth we've seen in Harriman. Yeah, in many ways. And by the way, Harriman's got a pretty good setup in terms of stadiums. Yeah. There. So. Crazy scenes. Um, real quick, couple of things. RSL, uh, they were supposed to play tomorrow night, resume uh, Major League Soccer action. Uh, they have a hurricane that's bearing down on Southern California. Guess how many times I've been able to say that in my life? Very few. Yeah. Uh, crazy uh, weather expected. They're saying they could have like historic and horrific flooding, which is never good to hear that no. being described. But because of that, uh, they have postponed RSL's game at the LA Galaxy, which is scheduled to be played down there in Carson. Uh, it's been pushed back to October 14th. So oh. RSL gets uh, now be four more days off, and then they head to Houston on Wednesday for the U.S. Open Cup semifinal, Michelle. You win that, and what Lionel Messi's doing in Major League Soccer right now is absolutely unprecedented. They haven't lost since he joined Inter-Miami. They have a game, I believe it's Tuesday or Wednesday, against Cincinnati. They win that. RSL wins at Houston. Guess who has Messi coming to Salt Lake City? RSL! Yep. So that is the uh, format for that. And by the way, that ticket. I've heard I've heard people have been paying stupid money hundreds, for that ticket. Thousands. Nuts. It, he's the best player in the world. Like he's like, it, thing about it, He scored nine goals in six matches since joining Inter-Miami. He's unstoppable. We all kind of here's the thing. Anybody who expected him not to be this, yeah, was up in the night. They were wrong because he's still so so good. Well, yeah, he's just a different 
different breed, comes from a different level of yeah. soccer than what M- MLS oh, yeah. currently is. But I think we've talked about this before. Is there is there the possibility that MLS starts taking things a little more seriously and trying to get guys of his caliber in? Uh, and how does that help grow the sport here? I think it would be huge. It would. Uh, the other thing about this, I love that he's a, kind of like an everyman in a way. He's got hundreds of millions of dollars in career earnings. Uh, he's get, done a new celebration where he kind of looks, a lot of people think he's calling it like hold my cup of beer kind of look. <laughs> but we found out that it's a celebration for his one of his sons. His son is a huge fan of Marvel and Thor right now. Uh-huh. So Messi's celebrating a goal right now. He's putting his hand out like he's, he's, oh, as if he's calling. Thor's hum- uh, hammer yeah, or Thor's hammer. Or, I don't even know how to pronounce the name of Thor's hammer. Mohan Janir, whatever they call it. I, I didn't realize I have, it had a name. I have a brother who could rattle it off in about five seconds flat. I should call him at some point and have him explain it to me. But that's what he's doing. He's he's literally, his son's a big fan of Thor right now. So, and he was shopping at a Publix when he showed up in Miami. Like, just went out thinking, eh, nobody's going to recognize me, the best soccer player. I'm actually more a fan of Messi than I ever have been before now. Yeah, that's cool that he's so, like, chill. It seems that way. Could, could it be a facade? Sure, but... It seems like he's he's just he's a dad who happens to be the best player in the world when it comes to soccer. Right yeah, now. yeah, it's awesome. I, 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 I am I, nothing against Houston, nothing against Cincinnati. Both of y'all get out of the way. Yeah, get messy to Salt Lake City so I can, so I can <laughs> a I can be part of the broadcast first yeah, off, yeah. and b so I can see Messi with my own eyes. Yeah. Okay. See, okay. See, this is the perks of uh, working in sports. You don't have to pay to be there. You get well, paid to be there. Okay. That 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 does help. Yes. <laughs> I'd actually consider paying to see Messi in Salt Lake City. I'm not gonna lie. It it's gonna trust me. Uh, what is it? Is it we? Is it twenty? It's twenty some odd thousand with standing room only there at America First Field. It is going. If this happens, if this all goes down, oh, it's going to be insane. They will set the record for attendance at that match. Oh, I easy, easy. Book it easy. They may easy. Br- they may try and bring in like temporary stands in some form or fashion. It is going yeah. to be nuts. But we got to get some games out of the way. Inter Miami's got to win. Real Salt Lake's got to win. Take care of business for us, okay? Okay. Let's go RSL. All right. Uh, We will take our penultimate timeout here on the show, come back on the other side, get some final thoughts. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Final segment of today's program, and our good friend Clint O'Pete, Michelle, weighs in. <laughs> Apparently, uh, James Harden had has – obviously, we talked about this with Daryl Morey, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers GM. Uh, quote from Harden, every Friday that was going to be pizza day. We had pizza Friday for the first month of the season, but then it was that was it. It was supposed to be every week all year long. Is that why he's calling him a liar? Well, I mean, I would be very mad if someone took my pizza away on uh-huh. Friday. Like, don't promise me pizza on Friday and then not deliver. Bingo. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I can actually tie that into another thing. We have Lincoln Kennedy on. Uh, he comes on, obviously, with DJ and PA throughout the season. And this goes back last year. He was talking about the difference between what he called college coaches and pro coaches. And he talked about Chip Kelly in particular. When mm-hmm. Chip went to the NFL, uh, he tried to do what he does. He did it at Oregon. He's doing it at UCLA. Where he is judge, jury, and executioner. Like, he mm-hmm. is the man. Mm-hmm. That has full control. That doesn't exist in the NFL. But he tried to do that. And he talked about the fact that 
some of these college coaches, and he, he mentioned Chip Kelly by name, come in and take away pizza. Like, like I think he called it, was it Pizza Wednesdays? Like, I'm a, as he said, quote, I'm a grown ass man who will determine what I want to eat and when I want to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's largely why Urban Meyer flamed out yeah. so fast. They uh, mentioned Meyer. I think yeah. the, the question actually was, I think, asked in relation to Meyer when things went south. Uh, and it's actually inter- like I had a conversation with Dennis Erickson about that, mm-hmm. about, you know, what makes a good college coach versus what makes a good pro coach. And and he said it's when you're a pro coach, you have to have the ability to just let things go uh-huh. uh, because you are dealing with grown adults yeah. and they don't like being che- treated like children. Oh, no. uh, you know, uh, at that point, you know, they're no longer in school. Like, like you can't really monitor and be like, well, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. And so that's why you see a bunch of these college coaches flame out because they think that they can go in and do exactly what they did in college, control, control everything the way that they do at the college level, at the pro level. And it just doesn't work. Nah, it, it's just such a funny thing. Like, is that is that why he's calling him a liar? Because of Pizza Friday? And there's a whole rumors about when he tried to get his way out of Houston, he was wearing a fat suit. Do you, you remember? You, you heard about the story? I didn't hear the fat so suit there, story. There was there was a there was. And Christian probably knows about this. He there were pictures of him that looked. Trust me, he like looked. He ballooned. Yeah, and there is some speculation that he did that. He wore a fat suit. It wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like overtly like. Yeah. But to get the pictures taken, so we were like. Whoa! What happened to Harden? <laughs> and they like, expedited his exit at that point from Houston. And there were jokes this week when he said that Daryl Morey is a liar and never play for him. And people were like, "All right, here comes the fat suit." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the the James. You mentioned the fact that it's just a soap opera off the court. Oh, totally. It's it's insane. Yeah, at this point, I think the entertainment comes more off the court than it does on the court. But no doubt. all right, Michelle, any final thoughts from you as we go out the door here? Uh, Utah fans go up and enjoy Fan Fest oh, yes. this evening. Good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, tonight, right? Yep. Uh, Rice Eccles. Rice Eccles, okay. six to eight. Sweet. So yeah, be there, be be there, be square, and stay away weather. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No thunder bumpers. <laughs> although, definitely try and keep it cool because that turf gets hot. Yeah, well, it's supposed to be. I think we're only in the mid eighties. I think today. Highway, so that's I'll take, I'll take it. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us. For, so for Christian and Michelle, big thanks to Scotty, by the way, for checking in uh, from Utah State. Coming up next, we throw it back to the Fox Sports programming. This has been the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.